Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of my show. I hesitate to say weekly show. It's meant to be weekly, but I've been missing in action for the past two weeks now. That is related to the fact that I'm still recovering from COVID. I'll explain what happened in the beginning of this show. This episode, like everything I do, is brought to you thanks to my patrons, my monthly supporters, my back channel group, my uh, feedback group, my idea think tank uh, of, of wonderful uh, followers on social media, listeners and viewers on YouTube. If you want to help me do this work uh, and even expand what I do, make sure to take a look at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So as most of you know, I've been working really hard to, uh, uh, to meet all my deadlines after I more or less recovered from, from covid I would say recovered from the immediate effects of the virus being in my body. Um, and while I was sick, I was able to use a lot of the material that I had filmed before I got sick. And the only thing I continued to do was to edit. Uh, and that was probably not the best idea because currently I'm suffering from a lot of after effects. Um, not the Adobe <laughs> thing, but the the let's say the lingering um, impact that the, the, the illness, the virus itself has had on my body. Of course, the virus itself is gone, and it's, uh, hopefully I have still uh, enough antibodies to stay healthy for the duration of, uh, well, at least this, this current crisis, uh, until there is a, a vaccine. Um, but what has not really changed is uh, my overall physical state. I'm still very tired. Um, I'm forgetful, so my brain is sometimes in this spinning beach ball uh, uh, yeah, situation or state, I should say. Uh, Apple owners will know what I'm talking about, so I try, try to think of something and I can't remember a word. Or I, like the other day, I went to get some groceries and I had to return home three times because I forgot my keys, I forgot my wallet, I forgot something else a bag to carry the groceries in it's like i cannot believe this is the third time that i have to go home to get stuff that i never forget so those are small moments that i notice that everything is not back to normal but the biggest uh debilitating uh consequence of having been sick is this um remaining fatigue and this is not a, a constant state. I'm not always tired. If you hear me now, you will probably not notice anything being wrong. People that are watching the stream may may think that, you know, I look normal again. I look healthy. Um, the thing is, the beat in between these efforts that I do, and, well, recording a podcast, streaming, is a bit of an effort. It's not a big one. It's nothing compared to the, the editing work that I do. Um, but still, I do have to stay on target and <laughs> entertain you. Uh, it's usually after uh, doing something that I feel very tired, and uh, I and that is not really recovering very quickly. So, for instance, last week I went to Amsterdam to film uh, a day with several people. Went to several locations. Amsterdam is a great city because it's. It's a small city, at least the inner city is very small. So we could just walk from uh, location to location. But when I came home, I was completely wiped out. That was on a Saturday. It was a cold day as well. Um, I was a, a bit more on the edge because it's Amsterdam, and I'm filming everything myself. I don't have a camera crew or whatever. But I also have to film um, a lot of these walking scenes where later on I'll, I'll, I'll put that over the interview. Uh, just to make it a bit more interesting to look at. So oftentimes I would have to place my camera on a tripod and we would walk towards it or walk past it. I'm literally turning my back to the camera. But this is Amsterdam and there are a lot of people that 
you know, don't mind taking your camera and sell it <laughs> so they can buy whatever, you know, fills their immediate needs. And so every single time that we were filming, I was like counting in my head, like I was counting to 10, I was like, oh, this must be enough. And then I would run back to the camera and grab it before someone else could steal it. I was also lucky that it was still have a lot of restrictions linked to the COVID situation. So um, there were also much, well, it was still busy. I mean, Amsterdam is a, is a big global city, uh, but it was nothing compared to, let's say, a regular summer Saturday. Uh, but when I came home, Saturday evening, I was wiped out. Then the on Sunday... I had my parish obligations, so the masses. The, I, for now, I until the end of the year, I've only got one parish mass on Sunday, and I, I explicitly asked to be relieved from duty for the second parish mass, um, just because I, I can barely make it through the first one. Uh, it's insane. So usually when I... The masses start at 9 o'clock in the morning, and... It's especially in the morning that my energy levels are extremely low. Um, so I sleep like a zombie. I wake up like a zombie. I sleep like a corpse. <laughs> so I can I notice that when I try to wake up and when I try to get moving, um, this is it's extremely hard work for my body. And so usually in the morning, um, my heartbeat is like. 100 beats per minute or even higher and i can tell because it's even you know my head is throbbing and i can feel that my body's like oh what i was sleep i need sleep don't move and then uh mass itself of course is also um as a priest you are kind of very you have a responsible role uh, you cannot really sit down and sleep like what you could do if you were just attending church um, I have to preach. I never preach from a piece of paper, so I always kind of formulate my thoughts while I'm preaching. So all that is effort. Um, and I noticed two weeks ago that uh, at the end of the of this first mass, I was almost collapsing. I was just physically so tired that my legs started to um, give way, and and I just couldn't find strength to continue. Well, I could find strength. I forced myself, but afterwards I told myself, this is not good. Um, this is too risky, especially because I usually have to take the car to go from one church to another. You know, I, I don't want to collapse while I'm on the highway. Um, and so uh, I've got one mass. And then I, we moved the second mass, the, the international one that I'm streaming on YouTube. We moved that to um, 12, was it 1230? Yeah, 1230. So it's earlier in the day. And then what we do is we I stream it on Facebook first, and then I take that entire stream, and then we rebroadcast that at 7 o'clock uh, for a North American audience because I've got a lot of people that are following uh, the Mass in North America because they too are uh, in uh, or at home or uh, in lockdown, depending on where they live. And so uh, I didn't want to force them to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. So it's not ideal, but I had to, to do that because I noticed that um, having a mass in the evening at seven o'clock was way too um, uh, disruptive. And uh, it, it caused me to have these relapses the next day where I was just completely wiped out and would sleep for hours during the day. So... Little things are improving, but not enough. And I still, on over, in general, I feel like I'm not making any progress. And uh, it, the fatigue is also um, um, a creative fatigue. So I can't really find the energy to, 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 well, to come up with stories, to podcast. Even editing is kind of hard. Uh, and I, I don't know. Uh, so something needed to be done. I went to my physician or my doctor, and he prescribed physical therapy. Um, I don't think I've ever had physical therapy. 
And I kind of thought it was just gymnastics or something like that. I had a completely warped idea of what that meant. Um, but it turns out that there are organizations, at least where I live, that are specialized in this post-COVID um, uh, recovery process. Um, so I had my intake this past week and uh, had to describe my days and the work that I do and how I feel and, well, the physical um, effects that I'm experiencing. And, the, well, the conclusion was quite clear. It was... Something needs to change. You have to really uh, cut down the amount of work that you do during the day. Um, we'll bring in um, an ergotherapist. I'm not sure what that is. But anyway, it's someone who is specialized in, uh, coming, uh, in, in helping you uh, distribute your energy over the day. But we'll also create a schedule to, or a schedule, to make sure that you rest enough in between all these different things that you do. Something that I have been completely overruling. Like several times when I'm working hard and I have a deadline, I can feel like the red alert. You know, it's like, need to stop, tired. And then I just press the reset button. It's like, ignore that. <laughs> I cannot stop now because my deadline is, is, uh, is fast approaching. But if you keep doing that, my therapist says, um, you will not get better. And the situation will not improve. So it is of vital importance that you clear your schedule, that you talk with all the people that you work for and carve out not, not everything. You don't have to drop everything because work also... Um, helps you to, I don't know, stay busy and stay active, but you have to at least cut it in half, if not more. And so that's what I did this morning. I uh, talked to a lot of people, and I think that we found some solutions to, uh, to create space. And I'm very relieved by that. It is maybe my own perfectionism that, with, that, that kind of stopped me from asking help or to go see my doctor. Um, but I realized that I, you know, I did the right thing and I'm looking forward to having a few weeks that are where the pressure is off, where I can do a little bit of work, but there is always a plan B in case I cannot finish what I want to do. Um, and it's, it's good and people understand. And, uh, so that's, that's good to know. So I'm going to focus on, on the therapy itself, which will have various, uh, Areas basically that are going to treat. There probably will be a physical aspect. For, for instance, I, I t she asked me, "What is your biggest wish? What are your goals?" And the first thing that came to my mind, and which I, without thinking, said, is like, "I want to run again. I miss running. I miss going outside. I, I miss that energy, but also the the um, the uh, emotional effect that running has on me and being outside." Uh, and then she said, well, yeah, okay, well, we can work on that, but promise me that you are not going to try anything without consulting us first and that you listen to your body. And if your heartbeat goes through the roof, stop. If in, instead of, if you want to run an hour, run 15 minutes, you know, build it up and make sure that you don't force yourself and, uh, I've explained this in, t in this week's uh, episode of The Walk, which is another show that I record every week, uh, where I go for a walk and I'm basically, it's a very kind of open, structured, well, actually there's no structure whatsoever. It's what's on my mind <laughs> that, I, that I discuss with my listeners. And it's more freeform than this show, which also, you know, talks about a lot of geeky things and there needs to be Star Wars in the mix. With The Walk, it's really freeform. Um, but I, I explained that... Um, one of the things that I've learned over the years is to always push my boundaries, to challenge myself, to think, you know, I'm going to stop, to, well, let's go the extra mile, because it's by forcing yourself, by putting some extra effort in it, you, you, you basically enhance your strength, you, you grow stronger. And I told her that, and she said, well, that is true in general. But in this case, when you're still recovering from COVID, it is the opposite of what you should do. And that has probably been uh, halting your progress over the past few weeks. And now is the time to really uh, rethink that strategy. Because in this case, it's, I tell you, it's not working. Um, 
So I'm looking forward to we're going to do some physical tests uh, next week, and then I'll I'll have that talk with the other person who is going to help me uh, monitor my days basically and look at the workload and uh, uh, be more diligent in distributing that over the days and the weeks, um, and hopefully that will that will kind of calm down the system because apparently the COVID itself has shaken up everything and the system is completely out of whack and if you keep pushing it it doesn't fall back into its old habits and rhythms and uh, and balance and so the first thing we need to do is to uh, enable basically the healing to to take place instead of stuffing every day with other things that need to be done and having this you know stress about i need to do this i need to do that so the fact that i'm podcasting right now that you're listening to this is because i felt like it not because I felt obliged or forced or whatever. Like this afternoon, I w already wanted to record this show. But then I was just too tired. So I said, well, I'm not going to do it. It will have to happen tomorrow. And then after having eaten my, my soup, my, um, what did I make today? Uh, the uh, pumpkin soup. I just felt new energy i don't know if there was some magic herbs in there or whatever but i felt good enough to, to switch on the camera switch on the microphone and record this show and that's probably how i will continue these upcoming weeks just always really try to listen to my my body my my like taking myself into account instead of putting everything first and putting work for first uh my health is the basis, is the foundation on which all the rest should be built. If I if I neglect my health, all the rest will crumble eventually. Uh, so that's that was a good lesson for me to learn. And now you've already heard the gist of what I said in a walk. Only that takes about <laughs> an hour <laughs> to explain this. So this is the uh, the Cliff Notes version. Um, let's talk about movies and TV shows. How do you not like movies? They're predictable, like. The guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So I continue to watch a few television shows. Um, I haven't seen any movies lately, which I miss. I really miss going to the movies. And uh, today I heard on the news that uh, at least Warner Brothers has decided to um, completely change their whole um, publication distribution strategy. So instead of putting movies in theaters first and then wait a couple of weeks or months and then offering it to on streaming platforms they've decided to put every movie in theaters and at the same time the same day on hbo max i think that that it's called i don't think we have that in the netherlands but anyway to to do simultaneous uh distribution in theaters and online of course Theaters are very upset about that. It had a massive impact on their value and, and their market value. Because if you can watch it at home, will people still go to the, to the movies? If they don't go to the movies, that could be the end of our theaters. And I think it's probably the wisest decision. It's not ideal. Because I do believe that the theaters add a tremendous amount of, of um, impact, I think, to the... To the it's an experience you go somewhere even the fact that you leave your home and you you step into this this dark and theater room and you sit in these nice chairs that are so more comfortable than your own couch and you have some popcorn and, and a fizzy drink uh you see that all the commercials which normally you would love to skip but in the movies i always watch every commercial because i love to see the promos for upcoming movies there is this also this communality uh, you know, especially if you're watching like Star Wars, for instance, having other Star Wars fans react to the movie next to you, behind you, in front of you, there's nothing that can replace that. Even the modern technological solutions that they have implemented now on several of these uh, streaming platforms that you can watch a movie together with friends, um, so that's now possible and then you can chat, it's still very different from the movie experience where you're in this theater with 
sometimes hundreds of people and they're you're they're they're all laughing and clapping and reacting to the movie if it's star wars of course otherwise we don't do that in the netherlands but um i would really think it's a it, i would i would consider it a tremendous loss if if theaters would disappear i don't think that the home theater can can ever replace that experience but maybe i'm just old-fashioned um anyway I think it's the best thing because there are still so many people that won't go to the movies or are unable to go. It's not safe in so many parts of the world right now. And even though there are some vaccines now just around the corner, before everyone can get inoculated, we will be in August. I mean, it will take months and months. This is such a massive global operation to uh, vaccinate everyone. Plus, we don't even know what the long-term effects will be in terms of protection. It could very well be, if this becomes a seasonal thing, that there will be, you know, we will need another inoculation next year or there may be a time when, when COVID starts to spread again. We don't know anything about how this next year is going to be. We can hope, we can be optimistic, and I, I have faith in our scientists and in the common effort that the world is putting into ending this uh, pandemic but we have no guarantees and so i think it's the wisest thing for them to just do what what they can to to share these stories with the audience because that's ultimately what it is all about these, these are stories that you want to tell and you want to have people to to see these stories and so if one method of distribution is currently unavailable or unsafe or is not giving you the audience you seek, yes, by all means, do something online. It's like the church is the same thing. I heard a lot of... Uh, um, I, I read about a number of churches, Catholic churches, in my diocese, in some other parts of the Netherlands, that are not going to have Christmas Eve flat-out cancelled mass on Christmas Eve. And the rationale behind it was, well, we can only have 30 people in church. And we are afraid that, it, that on Christmas Eve, way more people are going to show up, they're going to be upset, there may be confrontations. Let's just cancel the whole thing. But instead of thinking, um, well... What I miss in those decisions is creative thinking. So is there another way to give people that experience of Christmas Eve? And of course, simplest thing would be streaming. There are even parishes that are not going to do that because then they are afraid that people will see, hey, there's something going on in the church, we'll come to church. I think that's fear talking. I would say put all your, your effort into streaming the best mass of the year. Um, do something more than just streaming, you know, like uh, what's happening on the altar with you know, a priest and, and, and one or two altar servers, but try to think creatively, reach out. Uh, I don't know, I don't have a, a, a recipe for this, but I'm thinking what, why can the theaters reach worldwide audiences with their movies and the church is like well, we're just going to wait until next year. We're just going to cancel everything and then we'll see who returns. That is not how we should react to this crisis. You always have to look for opportunities. And and if one thing doesn't work, rethink it. And think about it together as a community. See it as a moment of growth where you're facing a big problem together and that makes you strong, that, that unites people. Um, I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of parishes are going to cop out. And, of course, it's all well-intentioned. They want to protect the, the elderly and uh, maybe also the, the priests and, and other people uh, involved. But I don't know. It's, I understand it, but I still believe that there is, we can do so much more than we're currently doing. And I've seen this, and I don't know if this is the same everywhere in the world, but I see this, this COVID fatigue, not just in our general behavior in society, which causes now the infection rate to, to rise again, but there is also a COVID fatigue when it comes to creative thinking and, and uh, changing your, your whole approach 
Um, and I think it has to do with maybe the lack of awareness that the church is all about mission. It's all about outreach. It's not a a goal in itself. The goal, the purpose of being a Christian is not to fill your churches. <laughs> the, the goal, the purpose of being a Christian is follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be where he is and preach if necessary with words, but also by, there are so many other things that you could do. I mean, if, if let's say Jesus went to Jerusalem and the temple is closed because of works, whatever, do you think he's just going to go back to whatever, Nazareth, and, oh, I'll come back next year? No, he just meets people in the streets. He, he, he travels. He, he goes and eats with people, and, and it's all super small scale. There are only a, a, a few moments where Jesus is doing mass media. Most of the time, he's like niche, a niche of a niche of a niche. He meets a few people, and then there is... Uh, this enthusiasm that he, he that he awakens in people does the rest because they, in their turn, spread the message and follow his example. And that is how the church has always communicated. Why have we stopped doing that? All that because of our theaters being closed. Um, so thankfully, we still have uh, these streaming platforms. And I'm looking forward to actually checking out a few movies on uh, on Amazon Prime. I'm really happy that they stepped up here in the Netherlands and that they have a couple of movies now that I wanted to watch when they were in theaters, but because of COVID, didn't dare to go to the movies. Uh, but they're now on Amazon Prime. Like, there is this uh, war movie that was this one take. What's the... Uh, gosh, I, I, I heard a review of a friend of mine, and I was like, wow, that sounds like an awesome movie. Even from the, you know, point of view of like how did they film this? I was very curious about it. Let me see if I can find it here. So I've I've opened Prime, uh, video here on uh, on my computer. It's 1917. Uh, so this is a story about a couple of soldiers, I think, um, and it's filmed as if the camera does not stop. So it's all in real time. Um, and of course, it's not entirely filmed in real time, but they did do these very, very long takes, minute-long takes, and then use some digital wizardry to to make sure that you don't see when you know one shot is followed by another shot. Of course, they cannot film an entire movie in one day, but I really want to check that out. There's also Stan and Ollie that's now on uh, Prime Video about uh, uh, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. Um, it's kind of a biopic, and apparently it's... It's worth uh, worth watching. Looking forward to, to that. Green Book is on my list. Um, heard very good things about it. Um, what else? Uh, there is the sequel to... Hey, they've got... A, it's a Wonderful Life. That you always used to be on Netflix. It's kind of one of those compulsory movies. That I, I, I have... I'm a bit anxious to share that, but I have tried to watch that movie multiple times, and I couldn't get I couldn't get through it. I don't know why. It's I don't know. I'll I'll give it another try. <laughs> I won't give up. One day I will understand why people are loving that movie so much. For now, it it has not had that same effect on me. Um, I want to catch up on The Expanse because I've only watched the first season. Um, it's now on Amazon Prime. I even think that they. Um, continued the, the 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 next season i think that netflix canceled it if i'm not mistaken um there are a couple of new movies on on disney plus as well i think mulan is going to be finally available to the general public and i really am looking forward to watching that movie um, it's one of my favorite uh, uh, stories not my favorite animated movie but i love the story um and f the trailer looked amazing um but for, of course, because of COVID, they um, they put it online, and you, you had to pay like twenty twenty five bucks for to see it. That's not gonna fly. I wish I could rewatch the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. It just came out in four K. Now, normally, I'm not that interested in four K because uh, both Netflix and Disney Plus uh, have a number of their movies in four K. Now, of course, that is highly compressed. It's, it's absolutely not the same quality as a 4K Blu-ray disc. Um, 
but it's good enough, you know. I'm not that picky, and just watching Star Wars in 4K on Disney Plus makes me a very happy camper, and I don't feel the need to go out and, and rebuy the Star Wars movies again because I've already done that for most of my life, and I don't want to go broke. <laughs> but for The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, I may actually make an exception. The reason is, and I did not realize that. So normally... Uh, a lot of movies that are produced in recent years have been shot digitally. And so they are usually mastered in 2K, which is just the amount of data uh, for, for, for the image. Um, but 2K is not 4K. It's a lower resolution, and they will upscale it. You hardly ever notice, because 2K is already very, very good resolution. The prequels were filmed in 2K resolution, if I'm not mistaken, by George Lucas. So you can never go from 2K to 4K without some trickery. And usually that is just a kind of a remaster where they will upscale, they will use a computer to make the image bigger, but also to enhance details and to use some optical trickery to make you believe that you're actually watching a fully detailed 4K version of that movie. But in many cases, these 4K versions of movies that you buy are basically just upscaled HD stuff. It's not that noticeable. And I've, I've, I have a few 4K movies. And really, after a couple of minutes, you, you, you totally forget that you're watching something in 4K instead of in HD. It's also because of a lot of uh, nowadays, televisions are very good in upscaling themselves. So usually I don't buy any 4K movies because I think it's a bit of a waste of my money. However, I, I heard that for... The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, they did way more than just upscaling. They went back, and this is Weta. This is this is Peter Jackson. He loves movies, and he knows that um, sometimes you have to go the extra mile. I, I learned this when I visited uh, Weta Studios with a friend in New Zealand, and I got a tour of someone who's actually was working in um, in. Uh, on the on the Hobbit movies at the time, um, and he said, for every release, we will redo the work and we will um, refine what we've done before. So don't think that the movie you've seen the first week in in the movie theater is this exactly the same copy that will end up on Blu-ray or that you will see on streaming. Every time there's a new publication of the movies, we go back. And we fix stuff that we didn't get to because we were working to, uh, against the deadline. And so usually what you see on the day of the night of the premiere is like that something they finished in the nick of time. And what is very common, at least for Weta, is that they will even correct that. So they will go back and they will send new copies, improved copies, for the week after the premiere. And then when the movies are, are published on Blu-ray, they will even go way beyond that. They will work sometimes for weeks on, on finishing certain special effects and doing more color correction and just tweaking the entire thing. Fascinating. I did not know that. And so for the 4K version, they, they went the extra 50,000 miles. I mean, they... They re-traveled Middle Earth. <laughs> At least this, of course, is the cor corporate uh, uh, news that you get because they want to sell you these discs. So that's my disclaimer. I have not been able to verify this, but when I read about it, I was like, wow. So they went back and they re-scanned the original film material. So that's also what George Lucas did for, for Star Wars. They went back and they did a, not just an upscaling, uh, process, but the, a restoration. They rescanned all the material that was shot on film. They rescanned and recomposed. They recomposed all the special effects, and they probably used a mix of upscaling and 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 uh, rescanning, etc. But then they and then they did a completely new remix, also a completely new audio remix, and that's a ton of work. I can. I can tell from experience that audio tweaking is uh, sometimes harder than color correcting. They, speaking of which, they did, they recalibrated the entire uh, movie, uh, Sixtology. So 
um, for instance, in, in The Lord of the Rings, and I've, I remembered this, and I thought it was deliberate. There is this green haze over a lot of the footage. Turns out that was just a form of color correction that they ultimately did not like that much. So they went back and removed the green hue. The same happened, by the way, with Matrix. When they did a remaster for the 4K version of the Matrix, they did a new color color um, a color correction uh, session where the movie really looks visually different from, from what we saw in theaters and what we have on DVD and Blu-ray. So, um, and I, I wonder... I don't know this, but I should ask my friends uh, that work there. I I wouldn't be surprised if they also improved some of the special effects and and improved a lot of things that um, we're used to and we accept it because, well, that's just a version that we grew up with. But there is, especially with The Lord of the Rings, of course, these movies are old and compositing, etc. has improved tremendously over time. Um... So I wonder, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The people that have already watched the 4K version are very enthusiastic about it. So that's on my list. Now, what did I watch? I also want to review a few things here on the show. I checked out a, a series that uh, I'm actually quite sure will shock you. The, f- the series itself will shock you. But also the fact that I'm, I have watched it may, may shock you. And I'm not talking about Game of Thrones. I'm talking about something that's actually worse than Game of Thrones in terms of, at least to me, in terms of shock value. And I'm talking about this, this very gritty, dark, superhero-based um, series that is called The Boys. Um Disclaimer, this is not for everyone. I would say this is probably not for anyone, (laughs) unless you uh, have a very strong stomach. This is, from the first few scenes, is very graphic, very shocking, um, almost sometimes like a horror flick, without the suspense. Um, At the same time, what and it's morally very objectionable sometimes that the the choices that the the characters make this is not a superhero movie that will you know morally form you or educate you maybe just by contrast because it makes you think about what you see and then well sometimes that's how uh, some some movies can can be very objectionable you would never show it to your your children or your parents but it can still be a good story. It can still be a good movie in the sense that it makes you think about stuff, right? So that's that's kind of what I want to explain first. That's why I wanted to... Uh, that, that's why I, I kept watching this, because the story itself is interesting, and I have to say the production, separated from the moral issues that I have with a lot that they show, um, the story itself is strong. The acting is very good, um, the overall look and feel, the the, the 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 way it's filmed and edited, my, it's top notch. I, it's really top notch. There are two seasons; they're very short uh, seasons. Um, it has been developed for Prime Video, so that's the only place that you can see it. And it 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 the story in it, just in a nutshell. I can't even play the trailer because it's it's just too much. <laughs> But it tells the story of a world in which superheroes have a mass appeal. They are there's an entire company behind them that monitors their media appearances, that writes their tweets, that uh, frames everything so that these superheroes are presented as role models for the world, make people proud, make people feel safe. But the reality is. And we're, 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 we're following this story through the perspective of this young girl from, I think she's from Texas, has been brought up in a very Christian, protected environment. Her dream was always, she has superpowers, and then uh, she's chosen to join the Seven. The Seven is a group of, well, you could say Justice League. Uh, you know, the best, the most famous superheroes. There are more superheroes than than, they, than these seven. But the seven are the ones that have the company behind them and, you know, have this incredible uh, cultural impact. 
Um, and when she joins, the first thing that happens is that another of the seven abuses her, which completely throws you off. You're like, what? And she is in shock too. So her shock is your shock. And it's like you very quickly discover that everything that, that, was, that is shown is only a facade. It's just the outside. And on the inside, it's completely rotten. These superheroes are completely morally corrupt and are o only in it for their own gain and are actually just villains. They're villains. And... The company that supports them is constantly covering up their misdeeds to save their image, basically their brand. So this is kind of a meta commentary on the way our media work nowadays. I mean, look at the way the glamour uh, um, magazines and, and TV shows work, how much they always kind of show us the glittery side of showbiz until... A scandal breaks out, and then that exact same medium can completely destroy someone without mercy, without nuance. That's basically what this series is about. It's also about revenge and the destructive effects of revenge on 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 the on both the Avengers and on the people that are uh, uh, experiencing the the result of that revenge. And this is because the boys is actually not referring to the superheroes. It's referring to a small group of people that all have been uh, hurt, punished, uh, tortured sometimes by the superheroes, um, have seen the dark side of, of the superhero uh, community and are trying to stop it. But because of the, all the money that is involved in in the branding of these superheroes, of course, trying to break down that organization becomes a very risky endeavor. And so, but there are a lot of, I mean, that's the good stuff. And I, I like that there's actually some moral content in there in that it, it dares to show how, how much, in the beginning, you're rooting for these boys. You want them to break down the system, but then they go, they cross the line so many times in the way they try to reach their goal there's there's so much broken also on the side of the good guys that um it, it really makes you think it makes you it's like but revenge cannot be the answer now um again I've, I've i've watched the first season and i'm currently um like i've started the first few episodes of season two and i'm very impressed by what they pulled off, but at the same time, I cannot tell you to go watch this because it's really not for everyone. And uh, um, the things that, that shock me the most is the cruelty of these superheroes. Um, they will do the most awful things, but then it's also shown. Everything is very graphic, so they, they kill someone, and you see all the gore and the blood and the intestines splattering all over the walls and it's oh gosh it's like uh, don't watch this when you've just eaten um so that's my point of criticism i don't think that a good story needs that but that today apparently is the gritty storytelling that a lot of people like um i'm not a fan of that but i can appreciate what they do story-wise and production-wise okay enough about the this is not for everyone what is for everyone compulsory viewing for all of you the mandalorian season two baby yoda that's how we knew him but we now have a name we get a little bit of a backstory there are some characters that appear in that show that made me go bonkers i was like <gasps> they every episode has these fantastic moments where i'm just like oh my gosh i cannot believe that i'm seeing this this is so cool this is so great i could do a reaction video of an hour to every episode of mandalorian if you've ever seen my reaction videos to the trailers picture that and then 50 minutes long i'm usually watching the series with friends and they're constantly like half of the time they're looking at me and how i'm like cheering and reacting and and grimacing 
<laughs> because yeah, apparently the entertainment factor is just as high as the series itself. But man, am I I'm, am I impressed? And the Mandalorian is the future of Star Wars. It is in many ways better than the movies. And you know how much I love the movies. What the Mandalorian does with limited means. I mean, of course, it has a huge budget, budget, but it doesn't have tons of actors. It doesn't benefit from you know the millions and millions they pour into a theatrical release. We know that it's filmed on an actually usually on a very small set using all sorts of you know this 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 super modern film set where they can project all around the actors it's amazing just watch one of those making off movies uh, it's it's uh, this is so groundbreaking in many ways but what it is, is is so fantastic to me as a star wars fan is that the story does not suffer from all this this wizardry and from all the the special effects on the contrary this is all about story and some people are criticizing the Mandalorian for doing too much fan service. Every episode is stuffed with little references that only the Star Wars fans will notice and will will like droids in the background, some phrases, uh, even some lighting and sound effects that make you go like, "Oh, I know what that refers to. <laughs> this is so cool. I bet you nobody know has seen this." Um, so it's it would be very easy, I think. To get lost in fan service, but um, and and this is what makes it so Star Wars to me is that behind a lot of the things that that at at, at first sight look like fan service, there is almost always a deeper reason, a story reason for these characters to reappear, for um, giving us certain revelations and 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 the more this season advances i can't believe there are only what is it two or three episodes left this should be like 24 this should be old-fashioned tv where you have 24 episodes i know it's impossible to do that but oh every episode feels like a star wars premiere to me and i never thought that i would be able to experience that as a star wars fan i thought you know movies are over um now we're going to have to wait four or five years to see another Star Wars movie. And, and with The Mandalorian, I feel like for weeks I have that feeling of, that I have during every Star Wars premiere. It's so exciting. And they're doing such a terrific job. I cannot <laughs> praise this series, series too much. It is unbelievable. So that was my spoiler-free rave about The Mandalorian. It is so cool. Oh, my goodness. I love these guys <laughs> and girls that are making this. And I would I would say to Disney, you have all the ingredients for the future of Star Wars. You want to make a theatrical release? Take these people that make The Mandalorian, tell them, okay, we'll uh, just do, do 10 episodes for The Mandalorian next season, and then the rest of the year, we're just going to pay you millions and millions. Just make a theatrical movie. You, you work so fast with The Mandalorian. You can do that, you know, just... Like, every episode is about an hour. Do two episodes, put them together, and you have a Star Wars movie, and everybody will be happy. That would be my advice. Don't try to reinvent things. And also, and this is... The, I've been reading some updates from, from a friend of mine on Facebook. Um, and he is a huge Star Wars fan, has been involved in the 501st. I'm trying to find... Uh, now, of course, uh, if I try to look this... Oh, maybe I can just... Hold on. I'm going to find this. He wrote a couple of uh, essays on Star Trek. Star Trek. Forgive me, Father, I have sinned. I, I've confused Star Trek with Star Wars. But alleviating circumstances, it's my COVID brain. <laughs> but um, Robert Greg Barker wrote a number of essays on his Facebook page um, I'm not sure if these are public, but I was reading that, and I was like, God, that, this should be in a book. This is so pertinent, so good. Um, let me see. Uh, so it's three separate posts to talk about style, themes, and lore. I may ask him if we can republish this or if he can open this up for everyone so I can share it in the show notes because this was so good. 
Uh, where is that update? And, and um, what was I saying? Uh, I'm trying to find it here. And poor Robert, he's currently suffering from kidney stones. So he's uh, about to get uh, surgery because the stones are too big. And I know uh, as a patient who has had recurring instances of, of uh, kidney stones, I know how much that hurts. Oh, man, where is that update? He's posting a, a lot of great Star Wars stuff. I can't really find the post anymore. Oh, this is typical Facebook stuff. You read it and you're like, I got to save this. And then you can't. Oh, this is it. Finally. Style and themes. Okay, so I'm just going to read you a little bit of this post because it's so good. What are the themes of The Mandalorian? It has style, but it's the themes that you will remember forever. The biggest is loyalty to family. It overshadows everything else. This is true. This is Family is the core of Star Wars. Um, other themes may be adopted, but this will never be eclipsed. First, loyalty to the Mandalorians. This is a tribal family, familial love born out of gratitude to the people who took him in after his parents perished during the Clone Wars. The loyalty cut across all disagreements up to and including sacrificing oneself, oneself for others. The loyalty is born of purpose, and that purpose is ensuring their people survive. Even when the price is learned for, this, for his covert breaking cover to help him escape, there is no anger on the part of the armorer they had executed their duty to help Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian. I'm just replacing names in case some of you haven't seen it. Now, loyalty to Baby Yoda. I'm not going to mention his name yet. This is the foundation of the show. Outside of his clan, this is the thing that the Mandalorian cares about more than his own life. The safety and well-being of this small young creature who is a foundling like he was. This goes beyond keeping him safe from the machinations of the Imperial Remnant and turns into a quest for him to find the best life for this child, reconnecting him to the Jedi. The Mandalorian follows wherever that path will take him, no matter what the cost is. And the child is as real as any human toddler, curious, putting things in his mouth, not listening, meaning no harm, but getting into trouble. We may not relate to the life of an inter intergalactic bounty hunter, but most of us can relate to interacting with a precocious toddler that requires too much attention. This is, this is what makes The Mandalorian so great. It's like every parent can understand this. Um, anyway, th this is way too much to read, and I wouldn't want to... Uh, to do that, because you got to read it for yourself, but I will ask him to uh, to post these to, maybe to the general public, if, if that's possible, so you can read it for yourself. But I'm learning a lot, and I'm a long-time Star Wars fan, but I'm reading this and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I now even have more admiration for this show. He also has a post where he shows you how much the episode of last week um, taps into the uh, Japanese... Uh, uh, Japanese and Chinese movies and uh, uses a lot of these tropes from the Kurosawa movies and um, and even the visual style is very similar to that. If you know all that, you will appreciate even more what you're seeing. You'll also understand the choices they make visually and story-wise. So, wow, what a series. Okay. I've only started the show and it's already time to wrap things up. That's what you get when you talk about Star Wars. All right, I'm going to switch over to the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! Peculiar Bunch is the place where I try to explain the weird things that Catholics do and believe. Things that you may not be familiar Catholics with. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. Oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And today, what was I going to talk about? Spinning beach ball brain. <laughs> Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. 
I remember already. This is about Sundays. Now, for most of, well, I hope that for most of you, Sunday is a day of rest, a day where you can go to church if you want to or watch a stream <laughs> nowadays where you can meet family, spend some time in the kitchen, play games, uh, read a book, relax, not work. For me, Sunday has always been associated with work, first of all, because I'm a priest, and Sundays are not a day of rest. Quite on the contrary, it's one of the busiest days of the, of the week. Secondly, because a lot of times I have used Sundays to kind of get ahead of things, uh, especially now that I have all these deadlines, I, I, I'm telling myself, I got to, I got, I've got to work, otherwise I won't have enough time. Uh, to finish my work during the week. But there is always this voice in my mind that tells me, you should not work on, on Sunday. Sunday is a holy day. It should be dedicated to the Lord. I always thought that that was praying, you know. And I was like, well, I went to church this morning twice, <laughs> three times. So um, I have the right to work. But it doesn't feel right. And But I've always been a bit conflicted because I... Other people also work on Sundays. You know, you go to a restaurant, the cook is there, the personnel is there. If you go get some groceries, well, you know, years ago, uh, shops were closed in the Netherlands on Sunday because of, well, mostly the Protestant uh, um, uh, population that does not accept <laughs> shops, to stores to be open on Sundays. Um, so they, they are even more... Uh, strict with Sundays than Catholics are. I have um, a brother-in-law. His family won't even get an ice cream on Sunday because then you make the ice cream maker work on Sundays and he should at least have the opportunity to to sanctify Sundays. So, But I've always been a bit like, well, but I'm pre I need to preach that. But as a priest, I still have to work, you know? I can't stay in bed on Sundays. <laughs> so... There's something not, not entirely right there. And then I, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm thinking, you know what? This is similar to what happens in the gospel when Jesus is accused of healing someone who's sick on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath, of course, Saturday was the holy day for the Jews. And Jesus was also meant to keep these rules. You cannot work. And so, according to his accusers, he had been working by healing uh, someone who was sick. And then Jesus is actually a bit irked by that, or irritated, and he says, well, you know, that's a bit hypocritical. If, you, if you've got a cow, or a, I don't think he says cow, but if you've got an animal that is, that is drowning on, on the Sabbath, you would go and save that animal, right? So that's helping someone, or in this case, an animal. You would do that on a Sabbath, so don't, talk to me that I cannot help other people. And I think that's the clue, actually, to understand what to do and what not to do on Sundays. What Jesus was talking about is helping someone. It's, it's working for someone else instead of working for yourself. The, the, Sunday is a day in which we, we train ourselves to look away from our own lives and to take care of other people. And, to, and that's why it's encouraged that you spend the time with your family that you spend the time with your church family on sunday mornings this should all be about connection about friendship about sharing not about you but about the people around you and so that becomes for me the criterion whether i can do work on sundays or not and i well th this of course apart from the whole discussion about should I work so much? Because no, I should not. <laughs> I work way too much, and I'm glad that uh, I now have people around me that actually forbid me to work. <laughs> um, but uh, the, for me, preaching, going to church, serve the communities uh, in the parishes that I work for, um, yes, it is work in the sense that it is, it is an effort. I, I never have lazy Sundays, never had them in my life. Even before I became a priest, I was always uh, uh, helping the priest um, as an altar boy. So I, I don't think I've ever had a lazy Sunday. 
But at the same time, the, what I do in the morning is to help the parishes, to help to inspire the parishioners. If I podcast, if I do a live stream on Sunday, let's I, I build a Lego thing and then I stream that. Yeah, that is work. It's not as relaxing as just doing that for myself. But in a way, it is helping me to step away from my own, my own little world and open up to the world. And, and the same is true for podcasting. Um, being able to share what's going on in my life with you is something that helps me to not focus on my own troubles and worries and whatnot. And so I've always considered podcasting more than any other type of work, something that is maybe the perfect form of work in a sense that you're putting effort in in inspiring, entertaining other people. And by doing that, it gives you energy, it makes you happy, uh, it gives you ideas. And, and for me, that is, that is a way to, to honor God's plan because he wants me to live not for myself, but to live for the people around me, to give my life to the world. And if you stay in that, in that, I think that the, the the rule that you should sanctify Sunday by not working is meant to prevent us from only thinking about our wages and our income and our career and all that. So if work is a burden, then yeah, it's probably something you should not do on Sundays. But if work makes you happy because you can help someone, why not? You could go and help paint the, the fence of your neighbor on Sunday, you know, or wax a car or something like that, doing all karate kid stuff. As long as it's not for you, if so, but for someone else, then I don't think that God will object. Well, and then, of course, next to that, it's also about being able to slow down, be, allowing yourself to read a book, allowing yourself to just play a board game instead of sitting behind a computer all day long. Maybe another form of, of sanctifying Sunday is by just trying to diminish your screen time and not look at your phone, watch, iPad, <laughs> digital thing, uh, like every single minute. Um, instead, looking up and connect to the people around you. Oh my gosh, I've already been talking for an hour. I'm not even halfway. I had an entire update about the books that I've, I'm just going to give you a teaser and then I'm going to talk about that next week. But my goodness, you know that I've been doing the Goodreads challenge, right? Where I vow to read a book every week and how in the last episode I told you that I was not making it and I was so far behind. Well, I have ca caught up. Well, I'm not caught up yet, but I've read a ton of books incredible like there are days that i read two or three books now and it's usually audiobooks because i can read read them <laughs> while i'm also doing other stuff um, but it's mostly on these days that i'm super tired and i i don't have energy for anything um instead of uh just sleeping i've i've found for me a good way to relax and that is to play a bit of uh what's the game uh genshin impact it's a chinese game that i talked about a couple of weeks ago um it's very kind of simple gameplay it's relaxing it's uh, and then i listen to audiobooks and so and, but i also sometimes just read short shorter books and i think i've read about 15 books now so i'm gonna make it I, i'm convinced that i'm gonna make i'm gonna reach my goodreads goal of reading well of course a an average of one book per week and i'm so enjoying it i'm reading stuff that i would never really read but now that i need to catch up I'm like okay let's let's go for this book okay, we'll do it <laughs> and i've 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 got a lot of reviews that i want to share with you but i'm not going to do it today because well i've been doing this for an hour and now i have to be true to myself and slow down this can all wait until next week if you are a patron, of course, there's going to be another show, uh, another hour in which I will share some of my other things going on, things I've learned on TikTok. That's a, that's a relatively new segment on the show because um, TikTok, is for me, it's like 
free academy. I learned so much on TikTok. It's insane. So the highlights, I share them uh, on the show. It's a fun segment to do. Um, I will share my recipe for pumpkin soup. I will talk about exploding oatmeal. Um, I've got a, 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 an item about relics. And maybe I'll also talk about some tech. All that in the show that I record for my monthly supporters. If you want to be one of them, if that's a, 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 a something that you're able to do, um, then uh, check out patreon.com slash fatherroderick. And if you... Uh, if you enter one of those tiers, even the smaller ones, the like two fifty a month, you get automatic access to that show, and it, you can add that to your podcast player. All right, thanks so much for um, <laughs> for the privilege of your time. I hope you are still healthy, stay safe, and hang in there. We're gonna get through this. See you next week. Bye.